Good morning, everyone. It is time for my Sunday sermon. I've been really looking forward to preaching this sermon today. I think, honestly, I look forward to preaching every single day. I look forward to verse of the day. I look forward to a sermon every Sunday. Let's see if we can beat that before it chimes all the way around in 30 minutes. I highly doubt we will, but one can hope. But I look so forward to preaching every single day. I love it. It's, it's a gift that God has given me, and I'm so thankful for it. But let's get right into this, shall we? Um, <clears throat> let's pray, and then we're going to start at 1 Corinthians. Lord, we praise you, and we love you, and we glorify you, and we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. For every day that you give us, Lord, it's a gift. This life is a gift unto eternal life, Lord. We pray that that the words that I'm about to preach will sink into the hearts of everyone that hears you, Lord. And that we hear your words speaking through our hearts, into our spirits, Lord, into us. We, we pray that we absorb everything that we hear, and it brings us closer to you. We praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Alright, I got me a handy-dandy little easel, or actually rather my wife did. My wife and her father found one and went and picked it up. Alright, let's see here. Let's see if I can read my okay. First Corinthians chapter one. <clears throat> verse twenty-one through twenty-seven. Alright. <clears throat> For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So, Let's break this down. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So basically, the, the wise generally don't know God. Their own wisdom empowers them to believe that they are beyond the need for a supreme deity. I'm sure you've heard this a million times on TV. You've probably even read it in books because it's nothing new. Man, over the course from creation to now, through wisdom, believes that they're greater than the need for a God. Not realizing that through their own wisdom and self-greatness, or self, their, their self-preservation, uh, so to speak, their, through their own words of building themselves up, need God even more. Man, since the dawn of time, has tried to find a way to end death, to live forever, and through wisdom, there is a way we need only find it. Well, let me let them in on something. Wisdom isn't the key to eternal life. Wisdom is not the key to eternal life. The key to eternal life is God. The power of God, the love of God. Through belief in Jesus Christ our Lord, we are given eternal life. That is the only way. The only way is through Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Only through Jesus can we be free of death. 
For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews want a sign. They want a sign that God is with them. And the Greeks, oh, they don't need a sign. They have wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So the Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so his crucifixion doesn't set them free as it does those of us that do believe. Now Jews being those that believe in the Jewish faith, there are many Jews born of Jewish, of Jewish blood that are Christians that believe that Jesus died on the cross and his death freed us from sin and his resurrection freed us from death and his ascension opened heaven to us here we're talking about Jews in the Jewish faith and Greeks Greeks believe their wisdom is beyond the need for a God now the reason they're saying Greeks Greeks are Gentiles Whenever it's talked about Jews and Greeks, Greeks are the Gentiles that believe that their wisdom is beyond the need for God. Now, obviously, not all Gentiles believe that, or else we today, here, speaking right now, wouldn't know them. That's why the apostles traveled around the world, why Paul traveled all over the world to spread the word of God to us, so that we would know that Jesus lives. He lives now within us, within our hearts, within our minds, within our very soul. His spirit moves. And he will return in the body. For too much longer, I believe. Now, I can say for before too much longer, I believe. That may be another thousand years or more or less. It's hard to say. But to God, a day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is but a day. So what is time to the creator of time? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, <clears throat> the foolishness of God. It's, it's actually funny. God has no foolishness. God is immeasurable. God knows all and is all. He is in everything. I, I swear, from one day to the next, everywhere I look, I see God. I see His presence. I see His love. <clears throat> but, for argument's sake, the foolishness of God is still greater than any amount of wisdom among men. And the weakness of God is turning to men. God is that weak. But, God in His most weakest state, which He doesn't have a weak state, but, but, but for argument's sake, God, in his weakest state, is still stronger than any man could ever be. Or any group of men. Or any thought. And see, that's the thing that, that where men of wisdom uh, stumble and fall. A thought. They get a thought in their head. A theory. You hear about theories all the time. They get a theory in their head, and they push to prove it. And, and proving it becomes everything to them. Proving that theory. There are so many theories that has been made commonplace in our society that it's still a theory unproven. <clears throat> a theory is a thought. A thought of something that might be, but it's unproven. There are so many theories surrounding our creation. That not a, and it's not a single one has been proven. But there is a fact. We were created by God. And yet, the wise do everything in their power to try to prove that there is no God. They can't prove there's no God. Just like they can't prove any of their creation theories. But we know as Christians that God does exist. We have to. And even if we didn't have this fire, even if we didn't have this, we know in our hearts, in our spirits, in our very soul, 
God lives. God moves. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Very few among the mighty and the wise are called. To preach the word. There are some that are called. There are some among the mighty and the wise that will, their eyes will be opened and they will see the truth. There are some. But not many. But God hath, cho hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's why it's written, the scripture is written. God God's wisdom confounds the wise. God confounds the wise because his wisdom to wise men is foolishness. His strength to wise men is weakness. And yet, he confounds the wise. There is not a wise man that doesn't believe in God that is any closer to proving their theory. There's not a wise man that doesn't believe that it's any closer to eternal life. Excuse me, I have to turn on the fan. Sorry, about to burn. And there's not a strong man that doesn't believe in God that is any closer to absolute strength, to conquering. God is immeasurable, uncontainable, and unobtainable to those who don't seek Jesus. You have to seek Jesus and believe that Jesus is King, is Lord, did die for our sins, did resurrect, did ascend. You have to believe in the truth. Because no amount of wisdom or strength in the world is going to save you from the fire of his own. Only God. <clears throat> Let's move over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to do chapter 8 verse 20. <laughs> we're going to do verse 28 and we're going to pop down to verse 31 and read through verse 39 <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose for them who are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose. Jesus has a purpose. His purpose is his will. And those that are called according to his will. Know that everything works together for the good of God. <clears throat> what shall we then say? Verse 31. To these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us if God is for us? Who can stand against us through the power of God if he is with us? Now, have men of God fallen? Have they fallen and died and failed? Oh, they've fallen. Oh, they've died, but they have not failed. God through, works through us through our life and through our death. 
You can only fail them if you turn away from the truth. You can only fail God if you turn away from Jesus. If you believe and you try to live a life filled with faith and love of God, you will succeed in God, even into your death. I know many people, and I have met many people throughout my life, that have come closer to Jesus through the death of another, or the death of many. And through all of the Bible reading, God moves through these pages, He moves through our spirit, He moves through our flesh, He moves through life and death. <clears throat> he that spared not his own son, verse 72, but delivered him up for us all. <clears throat> how, shall, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be saved. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is it is God that justified. He sent us Jesus to save us. Went through pain and suffering and misery and died and resurrected and ascended. So why would he keep anything from us? When he sent the word in the flesh for us. So that's the thing that bothers my mind. People that don't or say they don't believe. I believe that many atheists believe. Because they're angry. They're angry when Christians, when they see Christians, when they see us worshiping, when they see us putting out nativities at Christmas, when they see us living through the words of God, they're angry. Why are you angry? That's something you, you don't believe. I believe many atheists believe. I just think they're angry. Because their life hasn't turned out the way that they because they didn't follow the path that God laid before them. They decided to take a sidestep, not realizing they're still going to get to that place that God set for them. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. And he intercedes for us every single moment. Not every day. Not a couple times a week. Not a few times a month. Not, you know, a handful of times a year. Every single moment, Jesus intercedes for us. Why? For love. In the name of love. Not because we deserve it, as I've said many times before, and I'm sure I'll say many times again. We do not deserve anything that God has given. It's given to us freely. Which, again, confounds me how people can be so angry and hate Christians and hate everything that God stands for when literally what he stands for is love. We are not meant to judge. When Jesus came the first time, he said, I didn't come to judge, I came to save. And yet there's so much hate towards believers of Jesus, towards God himself. And that, my friends, is because Satan is trying to pull us all away. Because he knows his day is coming where he will burn for all eternity. And he wants us to burn with him. He knows he can't win. So he wants us to burn. <clears throat> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nope. None of those things. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is, is, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can keep us from God but our own ignorance. If we close our hearts to God, if we choose not to believe, that is the only thing that can keep us from Him. You need only believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And by believing in your heart and saying openly that Jesus is Lord, you know that He's the Son of God. You know that He was crucified on the cross for our sins. You know that He died and resurrected on the third day. You know that He ascended to heaven to live at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. You know that Jesus is Lord and King of everything. You know that God is good. And nothing can ever keep you from Him if you simply believe. You simply believe. Now you, you hear a Christian that totally turn 180 from Jesus. They deny Jesus and then they start talking against Him. That He doesn't exist. I believe that those that turn away never really did believe. Only God knows your heart. If you know God, if you truly know Him, you can never turn away. You can never turn away. Now I understand maybe taking a 90 degrees because you're angry, because you lost a loved one. People do that. Except we all know we're going to die. We all hope for as much time. Me, on the other hand, I'm okay if you took me right now. Makes my wife mad. She's like, I'm not ready to go. Well, I'm, I'm ready to go right this second if God wants me to. But if he doesn't, if he wants me to be here another hundred years, well, I'd be a shriveled old man. But if he wants me to be here another hundred years, then I'll be here another hundred years. But if he's ready for me to go right now, well, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's, uh, let's switch to Proverbs chapter 3. My wife found me a podium that I could have sat this down on, but I just thought it was a little too big and clunky. It was pretty, but uh, if I ever had to move it around, Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. There's that wisdom thing coming up again. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So put all of your faith, all of your love, all of your belief, every single ounce of everything that you have, your entire being, into God, into His ways, into His understanding, into His life. He will direct your path. He will tell you where you need to go and what you need to do when you get there. He will be with you along your path from beginning all the way through to the end. He will help you through your life. Do not fall to your own wisdom, to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him means pursue Him constantly, completely, irrevocably. Do not ever fall to your own understanding. God wants us to depend on Him a hundred 
thousand percent. He wants us to always depend on him from the smallest little thing to the greatest thing. If you stub your toe and it hurts really bad, you can pray, Father, please help my, help my toe to heal quickly. Father, please take the pain away. Father, please help me not to be so clumsy. You can pray to him about the smallest little thing and he loves it. Because he loves you and he wants you to pray to him constantly. I pray multiple times throughout the day and it still isn't enough. It says in the Bible, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't say, eh, pray when you eat, you know, pray when you get out of bed in the morning, you know, pray, uh, you know, pray before you go to bed, you know, if something bad happens, pray, you know. You know, every once in a while, if you're feeling like, you know, I really love God, I'm going to pray to you. You know, pray then. No, it says pray, with, pray without ceasing. So, always pray. Now, can we pray nonstop and never, and never stop praying? Yes. We're not going to be able to eat. We're going to wither away. We're not going to be able to drink. We're going to lose our home because we can't go to work. Maybe freeze to death or cold. You don't have any place to live. So does God mean literally only pray and let all this other go? No. But he means pray constantly. Constantly be in prayer. So throughout your day, find time for him. Make time for him. Put him first. Pray. When, when it's convenient. Pray when it isn't convenient. Pray just to pray. Pray when you're thinking about praying. If you get the slightest thought of praying and you're standing right in the middle of an area where you can't pray, walk off to a corner and pray. Or say a quick little prayer. While you're walking, you don't always have to close your eyes and bow your head. It doesn't always have to be in a quiet little place. It can be in the middle of a busy warehouse. Where forklifts are going back and forth, which I like to call wheels of death, because you got hit by one, you're done. You can be walking in a, in a warehouse, eyes open, you can't close your eyes and just say, God, I love you. I just wanted you to know that today. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And five seconds later, do it again. Father, I just wanted you to know, I still love you. Thanks for everything. In Jesus' name. You don't have to close your eyes. It doesn't have to be this big reverence. You can talk to God like he's an old friend. Just walk along and talk to him. Be talking to him. And when you're done talking to him, when you're about to move to the next thing, just say amen. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't Try to understand the ways of God. Just do what God leads you to do. Say what God leads you to say. Live the life that God leads you to live and don't question it. Just do it. Just follow Him. Just follow Him. Unto the end. Because the end of this life is the beginning of a life that has no end. So is there really an end? God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the beginning of all things and He is the end of all things. And He has promised us a time after the end. An eternity. A life after the end. We don't deserve to live. But he's promised it to us. <clears throat> Alright, let's go to Psalm. Psalms chapter 23. All right, Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 through 6. 
My mom's going to love this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Start back at verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. It, it warms my soul. Almost makes me cry. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Shepherds of a flock of sheep. They take care of the flock. They lead them to greener pastures where there's more grass. They lead them away from pastures that have no food. And they lead them to pasture, pastures Sorry, I can't say that. where there's food. They lead them to water. They lead them to shelter. They lead them to warmth. They lead them away from storms. They protect them, they give them everything they need. Everything they need. If one goes astray, they go and they get the one that runs off away and they bring it back. They give every single thing that's needed to that flock of sheep. So why do you think that in the Bible, the Lord is called our shepherd. Because he gives us every single thing we need and will ever need. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You need not want for anything because it is given to you that which you need. But I really want that nice red sports car. I don't bring up that sports car a lot. I don't know why. I don't really care for sports cars. I guess I did when I was younger. I really want that sports car, okay? But do you need it? Do you already have transportation? Do you have food for your belly? Do you have a place to, to work to help you pay all your bills? Do you have money that you need when you need it? Do you have more than you need to go buy those expensive things? Sometimes you do. Sometimes God gives you more than you need. Almost, be honest, He always gives you more than you need. Now, You'd say, well, I'm sure homeless people and, you know, living in a ditch would disagree. Maybe they would, maybe they would. If they believe, if they're doing God's will, if they aren't stopping to try to break it down in their minds why this is happening to them, and instead they just live and breathe through the power of Christ, then I bet, I bet, they don't really think themselves poor. I've met many a poor man that believed himself richer than all the rich men in the world. If you're rich in Jesus, if you're rich in the power of the Lord, if you are rich in His love, if you are filled with His love, and He takes care of every need regardless, you're not poor. Maybe to society's standards you're poor. Me. To society standards, I'm probably right there just above poverty. But in the richness and the power and the love of Jesus, he, my cup truly runneth over. I am so filled. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond sustained. You can eat food to sustain you. You can eat the same thing every single day. It'll sustain you, but at some point, you're going to want something different. It'll sustain you. But you get to where you can barely handle the taste in your mouth. 
That's not God. God's, God more than sustains you. He gives you beyond what you need. He is your shepherd. You need not want because he will fill your needs to the point of the top of the cup and then but you have to pursue him. You have to stay in the spirit with him and not pay attention to this thing or this. That flesh will steer you down the wrong path every single time. If you depend upon your flesh, it will lead you to an old, dried-up, burnt pasture every single time. It will lead you to corrupted and stagnant water every single time. It will lead you to the grave. It will lead you to the Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We will sit and sup at his table. We will live in mansions with streets paved with gold. And here's the funny thing. The streets will be paved with gold. The city will be built out of every gemstone imaginable. The gates will be made from one single pearl. A pearl is about this big. But that one pearl will, will make up an entire gate. If you read Revelations, you know what I'm talking about. How can a whole gate be made of a pearl? Let me tell you how God can do anything. I want to see the size of that pearl though. Seriously. I want to see that pearl. The city will be a gemstone. The light from that city will light all eternity because God will live there amongst us. No more temples to God. No more praying up to the heavens to God because God will dwell among us for all eternity. And here's the cool thing. That city is going to be covered and made by every uh, precious gemstone, every precious metal ever conceived, and yet we aren't going to see it as any kind of money or any kind of thing that we could. It's not going to have worth to us like that anymore. Like worth now, if you were to like find a, if we were to find a city somewhere, like a bunch of you know uh, expedition and find a city paved in gold, somebody's going to try to get a crowbar and get all them chunks of gold of, of, of that road up and, and get rich off of it so they can live like kings. We're going to live in a city where the streets are paved with gold, at gold and every single, everywhere we look is nothing but the most precious of metals and gemstones and yet we're not going to have that mess. Being rich. Having all kinds of stuff we can get. Our mindset will be, we live with God. He is more precious than any single thing that's ever lived and ever will live. There's a song, God, you are more precious than silver. God, you are more precious than gold. Yeah, way more. Way more than more precious than any platinum, any pearl, any, any emerald, any diamond, any, anything you could ever imagine. God is so far beyond Because all of those things are fleeting. All of those things of the world are fleeting. Eventually that diamond, it'll crack. Eventually that gold, it'll start to corrupt. It'll get buried under 40,000 pounds of earth. Everything in but God remains. God has always existed. He has known. And He is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Follow Him and He will lead you to greener pastures. He will lead you to 
drink so you're not thirsty. He will give you a home to live in. And that home may be a tent in the corner of a building surrounded by filth. We are all called to be and do what we're called to be and do. Some of us are called to live in the ditch. Some of us are called to live in the mansion. Fewer are called to live in the mansion. Because this life isn't our reward. This life is but a stepping stone unto eternal life. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. Get close to the end. Chapter 4. <clears throat> Chapter 14, verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We all have a cross to bear. We all have a blemish whether it be something you can see or something inside we all have a cross to bear and we all have to bear it Jesus had a cross to bear he had the greatest cross to bear he bared the sins of the entire world not just then but forevermore every person that lives from that time, once they believed their sin was bared by Jesus, imagine the sheer weight of that. Imagine the sheer weight upon God. He stepped out of heaven and into this corrupted world and took on all of our filth so that we could live and not fall into the grave and not burn in a, in a fiery pit of fire for all eternity. So we all have a cross to bear. Some of us it's a mental thing. Some of us it's a physical thing. Some of us it's something deeper, more complex. Some of us have more than one cross to bear. But we all have a cross that we pick up and we carry with us in this life as we follow Jesus unto eternal life. If you want to be called a disciple of Jesus, and every single believer is a disciple, if you want to be a disciple of truth, of love, of life, of Jesus, then you have to bear your cross. And you may have to bear it for all to see. Because through weakness, we come closer to God. Through weakness, non-believers find Jesus. In their weakest, broken, most darkest hour, Satan's not there comforting them. He's there holding the rope. Ready to string them up. Put a fork in them, they're done. Jesus is there in your deepest, darkest hour to save you from eternal death and give you eternal life through the light and the love and the glory of Jesus. We're going to finish out in Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> Verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus has power over everything. He is in everything. He is, as I've said before, He is a bridge to the Father in heaven. He is the only way to truth, to the only way to life. He is the truth, the life, the everlasting life. He is our shepherd. We are to follow Him, humble ourselves before Him, and he will lead us where we need to go and what we need to do. All of our needs are met through Jesus. All of our needs are met through the holy love of God. He is our protector. Now, I mean, he's our protector, but well, how come some people die? He protects us from death. Not just this day. As I've said, sometimes through our deaths, others will find life. And our death is but a moment unto eternal life in heaven. So if we die here, if we fall here, we live. Through living here, through Jesus, we live. Through dying here, through Jesus, we live. Sometimes we have to suffer so others can see the light, so others' hearts can be opened. We as Christians are disciples. Jesus has tasked us with going throughout the world and baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to all of those who believe in their hearts that Jesus is Lord, to all of those that proclaim outwardly that Jesus is Lord and King, to all of those who know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, to all of those who know that He resurrected and ascended to live at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, to all those who know and believe they are resurrected in the Spirit. They are resurrected in the spirit and become children of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But that one scripture should set your life in motion. It should set your day, it should set your evening, it should set your night, it should set your morning. It should set the tone for every single thing we do. That one scripture will carry us unto eternal life. And the two greatest commandments, love thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy spirit and all thy strength and all thy being, and love thy neighbor as Jesus said and love thy neighbor as I love you love thy neighbor as Jesus loves us those two commandments and that one scripture the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want will lead you to eternal life no matter how hard the world gets no matter which way Satan comes at us, do not rely on your mind or your strength or your blood or your bone or your flesh. Rely on the Spirit of Jesus Christ who dwells within you, who is intertwined in your spirit. Humble yourself before Him and follow Him from one pastor to the Follow Him Live for Him and through Him, and He will live in you and through you. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you. Thank you so much, Lord, for this sermon. Thank you so much for blessing us every single day, for shepherding us, for guiding us through our lives, for giving us everything that we need and, and overfilling our cup till it runs over, Lord. Thank you for loving us, for giving us this gift that is life, and leading us unto eternal life, Lord. Thank you for saving others through us, Lord. Through the love that you have filled with us, thank you for saving others, for opening others' hearts and eyes to the truth that is you. Father, we pray that, that as we go throughout our next this following week, that we that we have a wonderful week filled with you and your love, and that at any time any one of us starts to feel like we can't go on any further or like we're beat down like if, if we get to feeling like we're hopeless help us lord to pray and to believe and to know and to have faith and know that through our faith in you all things are possible and with you with us with god with us who can stand it Help us not to rely upon our minds, our wisdom, or our strength, but to rely on you and your love and your life to carry us through our day, through our week, through our month, through our year, through everything that's going on. Help us to keep our focus on you, our heart in your hand. I pray this, and I thank you, and I love you, and I praise you, and I glorify you, Lord. And I pray all this in your holy name, in the holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful the rest of your day. I, if, if it's cold, I hope you're able to stay warm and put something yummy in your tummy. And if it's hot where you're at, well, I hope you're able to cool down and and. I don't know, pour you a glass of lemonade or something. I hope everyone has a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless you.